glory this morning. Just welcome him here. He is here with us today. He is here and he wants us to sing and praise his name forever.
come to you today, we are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We want to sing of your love forever, and we will sing of your love forever. We start here in the life that you've given us. And Lord, as we are your children, we will sing through eternity. And we praise your name and thank you so much for the opportunity to just be here, to hear your word, your living word. And just thank you again for being our Lord and our Savior. You are worthy of being praised. You are worthy of being adored. You are worthy of being called Jesus, the great I am. Amen. You can be seated, please. Amen. We're glad that you're here this morning. We'd like to welcome everyone to Crossroads Ministries. And uh, today, we'd like to have a a baby dedication. You know, as God does uh, certain things in our life, He gives us a gift from God. And... uh, Psalm 127 verse 3 says that children are a gift from God. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. So one of our young families in the church came and uh, they've been asking throughout the summer, could we bring our baby to get dedicated? And I said, absolutely. So I'm going to ask Ken and Dana Fritz to come on up with their baby Donovan. And we're going to put Donovan's picture on the screen up here. This is Donovan Edward Fritz. Would you please welcome them this morning up here to the stage with me? I, uh, I am so thrilled to be with families when God is working in your life. And you know, Ken and Dana, probably maybe you don't know them because they're relatively new. And God has been working in their life and drawing them unto, their, unto himself throughout uh, the past year. And they've, they've faced challenges of life. And as you face the challenges of life... You know, that's when God typically is working. And I know that God has blessed you incredibly with this little baby, Donovan. So, Donovan, welcome. We're glad you're here. Would you welcome Donovan now, all right? He's the man. Look at this guy, all right? Um, we, we have uh, the, the gift from God is our children. And we, I want to encourage you, Ken and Dana, don't take this lightly. Um, this, is, uh, this is not just part of life. This is a gift from God. And God has blessed you incredibly with a, with a healthy child and given you the great responsibility to raise him to honor and love the Lord. And the tradition that we are doing this today is a long-standing tradition. It actually started way back in the Old Testament. In, in the book of 1 Samuel, we find a lady by the name of Hannah. She was Samuel's mother. And, uh, and Hannah, she couldn't have children. And she was praying, and she went to the, she went to the temple and would pray over and over to the Lord. And as a matter of fact, one day the priest saw her and said, man, she must be drunk. And here she was just so overwhelmed with grief. And she's crying out to the Lord and she's praying and saying, God, just give me a child, please. And so God did. God blessed her. And she, she had told the Lord, if you'll give me a child, I will give him to you. I will lend him to you. He'll be for your honor and glory. And she says this, uh, as she has the child, she comes back to the temple and she brings, she brings Samuel for, to be dedicated. And she says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have given, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent, he is given to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So I want to encourage you all, you two this morning, to come and bring Donovan as you are this morning. You're bringing him before our congregation but more than your family in this congregation, you're bringing before the Lord. And we're saying, okay, one day you're, you're going you're to keep raising him, bringing him 
to church, bring him into Sunday school for the kids as we've been talking. And, and we're so excited that he's going to grow up in our hallways downstairs uh, and that he's going to grow up learning the things of God. And so I know you've also, you've also have your, um, you've asked for like your godparents, so to speak. That'd be J.D. Rapp and Dana Rapp. If you come up and just join them, they're going to be supporting them. But uh, also uh, in support here today is, uh, is your mother's here, right? All right, Diane Fritz, and if we could have just a little bit of lights out there, Diane Fritz and Dorothy Rapp, that's Grandma. Dorothy Rapp is Grandma, great-grandma, right? That'd be your grandma, Ken, right? So, Dorothy, would you stand? And Diane, where's Diane at? There, okay, there's Diane and Dorothy. Let's, let's uh, congratulate these folks. We appreciate you. And uh, as, as you stand here this morning, we have, a, we have a gift that I'm going to give you. This is... Um, you're playing for keeps. This is a jar of marbles. There are 936 marbles in this jar. And that represents one for each week between the time Donovan was born till he'll graduate high school. And what I want to encourage you to do, I, I have a little directions that come with this. And you take this home and, and you take one marble out every week. And slowly you're going to see this thing go down. And, uh, you know, my marbles, uh, if I would have done this, you know, with, uh, right now i got about three left down here. Because my... Well, she graduated, and we're, my last one's going off. So my jar is getting really empty. That's the empty nest, right? All right, so we have that thing going on. But I want to encourage you, take one of these out and, and just make it a visual reminder. And, and every week counts. What you do matters for your kids. Every day counts. You get to talk to him now and read him Bible verses. You get to tell him the stories of God, even from a children's Bible story that will help him. And so each week, take one of those out. Each week when you come home from church, take another one out because you have another week to make an impact. So this is our gift to you. So, J.D., if you'll hold on to that and make sure that they get that. And, um, and, and we want to encourage you. But today we want to we dedicate Donovan before the Lord. So I'm, I'll try to hold him, but I don't know if he'll cooperate here. All right? Let's, uh, let's see what he does. All right. Nice big boy. Right? Let's give him a hand. Wow, he's so beautiful, huh? Shall we pray over him? Let's, uh, would you join hands up here? And let's just pray over Donovan, all right? As a congregation, let's bow together, and we're going to dedicate him to the Lord. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for these young families that you are drawing unto yourself. God, you're doing great things in their lives, and you've blessed them with children. So God, this morning for, for Ken and Dana, Lord, I thank you for their, for their commitment one to another and for their growth in Christ. Lord, thank you for providing them this healthy, wonderful child. And God, as we come before you and we, we dedicate Donovan to you now, Lord, um, we, we, we do like Hannah did many years ago. We come before you and we say, God, this is your child. Help us to raise him to honor and love you. Um, you have really given us a great blessing. Children are a gift from God. And so, God, thank you for this gift that you have given to Ken and Dana this morning. And we dedicate Donovan in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Lord, to honor and glorify you. And, Lord, one day, may this little boy, as he grows, he hears the, hears the good news of Jesus. Will you open his heart to receive Christ? Open him to the point in his life as a, as a young boy at a very young age that he'll begin to be a follower of Christ that will last his life long. Thank you for parents who care. 
parents who love. Thank you for, for uh, people that will come around them and support them. And we just honor and glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's honor the Lord this morning, shall we? God bless you. Let's give them another round. We certainly appreciate our young families. We are so thankful for what God is doing in the church as he's uh, growing our families and growing young families and uh, growing us old families too, I guess, right? But uh, he's growing us in the, in the ways of the Lord. And we're, we're thanking God what he's started in their life and what he's going to continue to do there. Just a few announcements this morning. If you'll look in your bulletin. There's uh, just a few things that we'd like to remind you of. Uh, first of all, if you'll please pass the friendship folders, that would be of great help to us. And uh, just a few thoughts here today. We have coming up on August the 12th, there's the insert in the bulletin there, Wreck-It Ralph. It's a free family movie night. And I want to encourage you to, uh, to be here, to invite somebody out on the lawn there. We have our big screen up, and uh, that, that will be going on. That's... Uh, Fridays from now, August the 12th, 8 o'clock it will start. We'll have a, a concession stand, light concessions, and then the movie will start uh, by 9 o'clock. And then uh, just a few other things coming up here. We have a picnic coming up. It's a church-wide picnic. That'll be on September the 4th. I want to encourage you to be there for that. Peterswood Park, we're going to be um, gathering here for church on Sunday, and then we'll go out to Peterswood Park in the afternoon. More details to come on that. And uh, that's, uh, that's actually Labor Day weekend. Can you believe we're talking about September already, folks? All right. It's, uh, time is moving by rather quickly here. And then, uh, then we're also going to do a backpack drive. Um, Julie Hayden has given me a list here to encourage you to bring in. What we're doing is we're taking backpacks, and we want to give them to, to kids in our local schools. And we want to make an impact on people's lives for Christ. I, I always like to say that we, we like to let our community know that we're here for them. Uh, it's not about what we're doing up here on the hill. We're here to worship the Lord and, and let them know that God loves them as well as He loves you. So uh, we're going we're gonna to encourage you to make a backpack. Maybe you can make one, two, three, or four, whatever. But uh, there's a list, and the list will be published on our website this week. It'll go out on email. It'll, go, uh, it'll be in the bulletin next week as well. But over the next few weeks, you can begin to bring, bring these in. And uh, the items needed would be a backpack, um, glue sticks, um, safety scissors, rulers, three-ring binder, loose-leaf paper, spiral notebook paper, um, spiral notebooks, index cards, tissue, hand sanitizer. We just want to make something that we can give to our, to our local principals here at the schools and say, "Here, we care. We're part of your We're part of the community. Certainly, you have some students that have some needs. Let us help meet some of those needs. And and uh, we're we're just looking to see what God can do." And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. That's, that's coming up there. And then on August the 21st, you'll see we're going to have a guest speaker here. And that, I'm excited about this fellow. His name is Scott Phillips. Scott and Jenny are, are missionaries in New Guinea. They're out actually in the, in, with the tribal people. So that is going to be an exciting day. I want to make sure you mark your calendar and let you know ahead of time about his coming. Uh, he'll be a, it'll be a great service that day, as it is always. Amen? I, I'm thrilled what God's doing in a church, aren't you? I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward at this time. And as they come, I just want to encourage you by the work of God, what he's doing. God is moving mightily all over this church. 
we are growing not only numerically, but also in depth. We're growing deep and wide at the same time. I'm watching people's lives transformed. I'm watching people coming to Christ. I'm seeing people, people who are following Christ saying, wow, God's changing my attitude. He's transforming me from the inside out. And uh, I want to thank you for, for your participation in, uh, in God's work here at the church. Thank you for your giving throughout this summer. If you're our guest here this morning, we want to welcome you. Welcome you to swing by our visitor center, our welcome center over there. And uh, we have a nice gift for you there. But as the plate comes by, if you're our guest, please let that go by this morning. This is for those that are regular, growing in the grace of giving. So um, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, let's look to Him. Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we, we thank you, Lord. I, I thank you for how you've been working on the hearts of our people. You've been taking us deeper in Christ. You've been broadening our scope, bringing people, more and more people to Christ, Lord. It's just been so exciting to watch the hand of an almighty God. Thank you, God, for how you're moving and, and, and challenging and growing all of us. Lord, thank you for the way your people have been faithful as, as they give, Lord. They're giving as, as a reflection of who you are. Giving as in response to your character, to your goodness. Responding to how that you've given to them. And I thank you, Lord, as we continue to give to you this morning, I ask that you will bless this time as we worship you through giving. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you. You can be seated, please. Joyride. Last week, we're just picking up where we left off last week, that clip I did show last Sunday, just to kind of regroup us. We've been talking about how to have joy in the future this past two weeks. You, you know, when, when you look at the future, there are some uncertain times. There's a lot of things that are troubling to us as we think about what's ahead, what's on the road to come. Uh, think about as a parent that we just dedicated a baby. Think about how, how the challenges of, of the future days what will life be like for my child in 10 years, in, in 15 years? What will this country look like? What will our life look like? So there are challenges to the future. And uh, as we look at that, last week we said that the Apostle Paul, he makes some interesting statement. And in, in the, in the terms that he talks in is in terms of a race. It's like somebody who's running in the Olympics. And, and the Apostle Paul here, he says this. He says, not that I have already attained all this. This is Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, listen, talking about the future, he's pressing on. He, he's talking in terms of running a race. When you're running a race, there's a future and there's a past. Uh, when you start out the journey, the, the gun goes off. We start off strong. And then as we keep rolling on, there are things that are behind you and things that are ahead of you. And if we're going to be able to deal with the things that are ahead, last week we talked about this quite extensively, that you have to bury the past. Every one of us has a past. Every one of you have a past. And we, we cannot delete the record of the past. But we can forget it. And by forgetting, we said that forgetting means to lock it away. To, uh, to not bring it up. To treat it with disregard. So in other words, yes, there are things that have happened in your past. Like the runner there. Somebody may have pushed you, pushed you out of the race. You may have fallen yourself. You may have made some decisions that were really bad decisions in your own life, and that is your past. Well, the past is gone. The, the Apostle Paul says, and I press on, I'm striving, I'm reaching forward to what God has for me, to the finish line. And when you're running a race, where do you look? You're not looking around, are you? You're looking straight ahead. You're looking at the finish line. You want to find what is the goal. And so... I want to encourage you this morning in your walk with Christ to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eye on that goal. And, and the things that are in the past, decisions that you made that were poor, somebody that has harmed you, uh, and things that you have done. The Apostle Paul, he told us earlier in this chapter, he says, listen, I've tried to do everything good. I lived according to the 613 laws. I lived. I was the Pharisee of Pharisee. I was the best of the best. And he says, but they're rubbish. All my good works are as rubbish. And so he, he says, take that list and you throw that list away because that list doesn't gain you any favor with God. But he says, I have a past. And you know what Paul's past was this. He persecuted Christians. He was so overzealous that he persecuted Christians. He, he was, it was at his hand that many people were martyred. People were thrown in jail because of his overzealousness 
for, for, for the law, that he was putting Christians in jail. So he's writing this letter to this group of people, and he says, I have a past, and I had to lock it up. I had to put that down in the file cabinet because I can't delete the record. It's there, but I don't have to go out and pull it up every day. I don't have to go out and pull it up because if I'm going to move forward, the past must remain in the past. No runner goes back and says, well, I had a hard time on the first hurdle. Let me go back and try that again. We say that's past. That's left over. And it's gone. I'm moving on. I'm pressing on toward the mark of the heavenward calling. So we have a high calling in Christ, and it's a heavenly calling. So this morning, we're going to pick up here in verse 15, uh, Philippians 3.15. He says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. He gives a little hint here about unity. He says, uh, he says those of you who are mature, I want you to think about this. People have had issues. There are things that we have issues. The past is over. We're not perfect. We, ha- we, can't, we're, we're, we haven't finished across, we haven't crossed the finishing line. He says, but put the past away. He says, and I want you to, to be together on this thought. And he says, and if some of you disagree, it's okay. Um, you know, it's, it's not, not a cause to, to lose your mind. If at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Only let us live up. You see, now he's talking about moving beyond the past. We're heading toward the future, as a runner does. But there's something very important in a race, and it's the present. It's how you deal with how you're living now. He says to live up to what God has already attained for us. What he's doing here is he's giving us some thoughts on how to deal with runner's discouragement. You have to defeat discouragement. And I want to encourage you in your life, in your spiritual life, to defeat discouragement. Overcome discouragement. The very first thing he says here is he's encouraging us, don't lose ground. Don't lose ground. He doesn't want you to lose ground. Everyone who is mature should have this attitude and if at some point you think differently, if you disagree, God will make it clear to you. He, he didn't have to argue with people. He could trust in the Father to make it clear what they need to do. He says, let's live up to what God's already done, what he's already done for us. Don't fall backwards. Don't lose ground. Uh, verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Now, I want you to think about this because as you're running... Quite often, there's opposition in life. There's things that are painful, things that are, that are overwhelming at times. And as you're dealing with life, I want you to think of life as this. It's kind of like going, going up an escalator that's going down. Do you remember doing that in high school? Did you ever see somebody at the mall do that, you know? The escalator is going down, and somebody's walking up the down escalator. Just kind of keeping pace, Right? And so the Apostle Paul says, let us live up. Just live up to what's already happening, to what God has already done. He's saying, don't quit running the race. Keep your pace. Uh, you know, you don't want to go backwards. Uh, I'll never forget, we were, we were getting ready to go to Ecuador. We're at the Pittsburgh airport, and we've got our group there. And all the teenagers, um, they're, they're on, the, uh, on the people mover. And the people mover is going this direction. Well, our kids got on there, and they wanted to go this direction. And so they're walking, and you know, they're just kind of going one of these deals, staying in place, walking, and, it lo- and, and then all of a sudden somebody's coming by them because the people mover just moves you, right? So they're coming this way, and they're, they're passing that direction. 
the, uh, going up a down escalator. That's what it is. You've you got to keep moving. And the minute you stop, what happens? You go right down. We live in a world that's got so much negativity, don't we? The world has got so many negative things. Our, our country is going through great turmoil right now. Our world is going through turmoil. And we have the answer. We have the hope. It's in Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul says this. Keep walking. Keep running. Keep going up that escalator, even though it's going down. Even though there's so much negative around you. Even though it feels like you're going against the grain. Don't turn back. Uh, don't lose what you've gained because you think you've arrived. So many times uh, we do that without even thinking. We think, well, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to deal with that area anymore, or, or these things are okay. No, keep strong in the faith. Keep tight to Christ. Keep growing in Him, and keep going up that escalator, even though it's going down. Um, then he tells us here, he says, the next thing he tells us to, to do is find, a, a, to follow good examples. Follow good examples. Uh, if we don't this, defeat discouragement as you're running the race for Christ, follow good examples. Paul here says this, 317. He says, join with others in following my example. And take note of those who live according to the pattern that we gave you. Um, for as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross, of Christ says, join in following my example. Follow my example. I want you to think about that. What does that mean to follow my example? Is he being audacious here? I mean, why would the apostle Paul say, follow me? Shouldn't he be saying, follow Jesus? Well, he was following Jesus. And he says, I want you to follow me as I'm following Christ. I want you to follow me, and I want you to take note of others around you that are following in the same manner. He's not saying to be a rule keeper. Paul just said in a few verses earlier, I was a rule keeper. He says, I want you to go after the heart of Christ. I want you to go after something much deeper than keeping rules. I want you to have a relationship with Christ who died on the cross, paid for your sin, came back to life again, and therefore now I want you to get in the race. I want you to join me and I want you to follow me as I'm following Christ. The word follow here actually comes from the word mimic, all right? Uh, he's saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to, to do what I do. I want you to kind of mimic me. And so that is not just be like, all right, I'm part of some movement. He's saying, look, how I live my life, follow me. And then he says, take note of others around you. How do we take note of others around? <laughs> well, the word there is scopos. It means scope. He says, so to put others in your scope. It's like a microscope or a telescope. Um, you know, if I, go, if I were to go over here and shoot trap at the sportsman club, and I pull out a gun, I'm shooting trap, I got to put the trap, I got to put it in my scope. Uh, the, the deer hunters, you understand what a scope is. You've you got to put the deer out in your scope. And if you don't have the deer in the scope, you're not going to hit the deer. That's just as simple as that, right? So you take, he's saying, put others in your scope. Follow me, mimic me, mimic the Apostle Paul because he's following Christ, and follow the manner in which he does. How was the manner of Paul? It wasn't about rules. He said, I've tried all that. But he wasn't living a wild, crazy life. See, there's a balance. Sometimes we get this idea that because I'm following Christ, well, I can just go out and do whatever I want to do. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, follow Christ. 
Don't do the rule keeping to try to earn favor with God. Don't live a wild, crazy lifestyle. It's going to hurt you just as bad. He says, follow me as I'm follow, following Christ. You've got to put this heavenward goal. Are your sights set on people around you? Why is he telling us this? Because whether we like it or not, we follow human examples. Did you ever notice that? He's saying, surround yourself with people who are following Christ, who have the same DNA. Uh, they're, they're following Christ. It's like, it's the same concept that we have. We're following Christ with a, uh, with a heart and a passion. We're making disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. That's what we do here at church on Sunday. That's why we're having small groups. This fall, we're going to be trying to get small groups going all over the place. Why? Because we want to get people together who will have each other on their scope. Now, hopefully not a microscope, okay? <laughs> we want to have you on a scope. Put them in your vision. Let's not put each other under a microscope. But look, here, here's what happens. This is so important. If you get out there and you're experiencing some trouble in life, and you will, because if you haven't, it's coming. Life is challenging. Life is not a comfortable zone, is it? It is a challenging, it's hard work. So as we get out there and we're living life, and now you surround yourself with people that are following Christ, who are you going to be able to respond to? Who will you listen to? What advice will speak into you? Who's going to encourage you to stay on the right path? Who's going to encourage you to do the things that God wants you to do and really drive back to the same heart and passion of Christ? You've got to keep those people in your scope. doesn't mean that we don't hang out with anybody else. We have to go out. We've got to go out and, and, and be among people who need Jesus. If we don't do that, we've missed the very heartbeat of Jesus. Jesus hung out with sinners. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with people of ill repute. And he brought him his character. He gave his love to these people. We're to go do the same. We're to bring people to Christ. We're to go out and live among people. But in our scope, we must put people who are following Christ. And that's why I hope that I can be an encouragement to you. And you're an encouragement to me. Uh, follow Christ as I follow Christ. Um, try, try not to pick up all my bad habits, all right? Just, just follow where I'm following Christ. And I want to encourage you with the people. Surround yourself with people like that and say, I'm going to follow Christ. And I want these people to surround me so that I'm following Christ as they follow Christ. And they will be an encouragement to me. Um, it, it's really fun to be on the journey together with somebody. Then he, then he continues on. He's, he gives you some bad examples. Listen, we have good examples and we have bad examples. The Apostle Paul, gave, uh, he gave himself as a good example. He said others that follow as I follow, as the way we taught you. Uh, not, not with legalism, not with, not with no, no concern, but a balance in following Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to follow me. And, but he gives you the example. He says, here's the, the, the bad example. For verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now say, again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame, their mind is on earthly things. He says that there, uh, there are people who don't live up to Christ's model 
of servanthood and self-sacrifice. He says, don't follow the negative examples. Follow the good examples. Because we're human. So what, who are we going to surround ourselves with? So their destiny is destruction. He's saying here, look, um, their destiny is destruction. That means that they've got the wrong direction, and, they want to, uh, and who wants to follow somebody that's going the wrong direction? They're going on their own path, not on God's path. It may even sound well. It may even sound good and moral. But he says, don't just go down a good and moral path. Follow Jesus Christ. Um, there, the Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. He says their destiny is destruction. Uh, don't just follow somebody because they're good. Follow somebody who's following Christ. Then he says this interesting statement here. Their God is their stomach. And I thought, what is he saying? I mean, you look at that. Their God is their stomach. And I'm thinking, is he talking about the few extra pounds? What's he talking about here? He's not talking about few extra pounds. If, as a matter of fact, if you go back and you look up that word stomach in, in Greek, it's really the idea here is it would be like today would say they follow their own heart. You know, in some cultures, uh, we say heart, you understand that. In some cultures, they say liver, follow their liver. He's saying they follow their own stomach. In other words, they have the wrong appetite. Their appetite is for things that are not of God. Their appetite is for things that are self-centering, self-pleasing. And, they're, and, they're, and they're, their God is their stomach. So he's making this, this that the people could understand. He's saying, look, it, these people don't follow people who are living for themselves. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Uh, life is all about pleasure, so we think. And in America, that's how we've been trained, isn't it? We've been trained to work hard. We've been trained to enjoy the good life. And it, the harder you work, the better life will be. And uh, we've been tra trained to enjoy the American dream. And Jesus is saying here, he's telling us uh, through his word here, he's saying, listen, we're not going to follow the ways of the world. We're not going to follow... Uh, people who are going to be self-centered, driven by self-pride. Ooh, pride, that's a hard thing we have to deal with, isn't it? We all have to, we all go there, we all deal with pride. And so he says, he says don't follow people that are, are consumed with pride. Do you know that even, even in, in well-meaning, we can become welled up with pride and selfish direction? Their glory is their shame. That means they've got the wrong values. Uh, it brings shame to them. Some people glory in something that they should be ashamed of. He says, their glory is their shame. And then he says, their mind is on earthly things. That means that they've got the wrong focus. That is the bad example. Don't follow those type of people. Follow the people who are following Christ. Um, Christ is the, the ultimate person that we should follow. But like one little boy said, he said, I need to see God with skin on and you know what? That's what we are. We are, we are God. We're in the image of God. God is living and dwelling in each believer. And so we go out and we encourage other people. So as we encourage other people, find the people that you surround yourself with. Who are you encouraging? Who, um, who is encouraging you? Because you need that. I need that. I have people. There was a man that was here this morning that I highly respect. I've known him all my life. And uh, he just retired. And I, and I shook his hand. I said, hey, how's retirement? He goes, well, I retired. And, uh, and I said, you know what? I admire you because you never complained about work. He worked hard all his life, and I know it was hard. His body's beat up. He's hurting. He's sore. 
sword, has sword to tell you about it. But he said, I've worked hard all my life. And I tell him, I said, you know, I thank you for your encouragement because you followed Christ and didn't complain. And I really admire that. And you see, I have to surround myself with people like that because it's so easy to complain, isn't it? It's so easy to go down. It's so easy to get discouraged by the things around us. So I found some, there's people like that in my life, and I'm surrounding myself with that. doesn't mean that I, I'm not with other people. It means that when I'm looking for advice, when I'm looking for somebody to speak into my life, those are the people that are in my scope that are speaking in to me, not the people that are filled with pride, not the people that are filled with shame and have the wrong focus. And then he brings up here the next, the next thought here this morning. He says, remember your citizenship. Remember where you're a citizen of. Verse 20, uh, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now think about that. When I went to, uh, to Ecuador, I pulled out a little blue book, a little passport. And as I walked into, into, uh, into their immigration, they stamped it and verified based upon the picture when I had a little more hair nine years ago and that thing, right? Uh, the picture in my passport, and they said, okay, this is a U.S. citizen. You are welcome to visit our country. And so I went in and I visited, visited Ecuador, and as we've done for many times, and in my book, it's got stamp after stamp every time I've been there and to everywhere else I've been in the past nine years. And, and as we go and, and we, we're, we go around the country, you remember, I'm still a U.S. citizen no matter where I go. So there's things about being a U.S. citizen that makes us distinct, right? There's things about uh, when, whenever I go overseas, uh, I still speak English. Uh, they speak Spanish over there. I've tried to, to speak a version of Spanish on my own. And uh, I called it Spanglish. And most of our group called it Italian. I don't know what that was all about. They said I had an Italian accent. You know? They thought I was from Little Italy, not from, you know, anyhow. But anyhow, so, so you know, when you go overseas, and you're a citizen of another country, you, have, you are still the citizen. No matter where I travel, I'm a U.S. citizen. Um, you are a citizen of heaven. When I went in and they sh I showed them that passport, that verified that my name was written on the citizenship books of the United States of America. John says in, in the Bible that there's a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. And all those who trusted Christ as their Savior, their name is recorded in that book. That is the citizenship book of heaven. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a citizen of heaven. Now I want you to think about that because when we go around the world, people know us as U.S. citizens. As a matter of fact, they know us as Pittsburgh citizens too, don't they? Because we're Yinzers, you know? Anywhere you go, people know there's something different about pit, people from Pittsburgh. We have our own dialect. We have our own diet. You know, a permani sandwich is something that is second to none, right? We, ha we have, this is, this is Pittsburgh. And the same is true with us as believers. You are a citizen of heaven. This world is a very temporary situation. You are here. You're to live, you're to interact with the culture, interact with society, but remember, at the end of the day, you're a citizen of heaven. And Paul says here, your citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await the return of Jesus. Uh, here, A.W. Tozer gives a, a, um, 
a, a nice test of citizenship. The, the citizenship here, he says, what, what do you desire most? There's three things. What do you desire most? What do you think about most? And what do you admire most? What do you desire most? That gets you thinking, doesn't it? I want you to think of this morning. What do you desire most? Is it that heavenward calling that God's called us to? Or is it the next greatest thing that we've got to deal with here? The next party, the next house, the next car, whatever. What do you desire most? And then this, the second one gets you thinking even more. What do you think about most? Who do you admire? Who's the, who do you admire the most? See, that helps us think about what is really important to us. And as we are citizens of heaven, our, our constant struggle, there's constant tension there, isn't there? Because the tension now comes from, oh, how am I dealing? I, I'm a citizen of heaven, but I have these values and the cultural values. Values in the culture versus values, uh, values in heaven. And so as I deal with this, I, it's a constant struggle. But he says, remember your citizenship. The people in Philippi, Philippi, this church that he's writing the letter to, it was actually a colony from Rome. It was a Roman colony, but it was hundreds of miles away from Rome. The people there, many of them were people that retired from the military, from the Roman military. After 21 years in the military, they got to retire. And this was a great place for the retirees of the Roman guard, the Roman military would go to retire in Philippi. And so as, as, as they are hundreds of miles away from Rome, this place is filled with Roman citizens. They looked like Romans. They acted like Romans. They talked like Romans. They even ate like Romans. But yet, they're hundreds of miles away from Rome. The people understood citizenship. They understood the importance, the value of citizenship. So I want to encourage you today. What value do you have on, the, on your citizenship of heaven? As you're running the race and you're looking forward to the future, listen, there are things about tomorrow that concern us. There, there are fears. We have fear of aging. We have fear of, uh, of income. We have fear of relationship. You put, fill in the blank there. Where are your fears? The fear of the future. But I love what Corey Tenboom said. Corey Tenboom said this. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Would you read that with me? Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I want to encourage you with that. Don't be afraid of the future. Don't be afraid of things to come. Don't be afraid of the unknown because God is already there. Um, God says here, transformation is what we see. Philippians 3.21, he says, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is transformation. There's a future transformation coming. You're looking, you're saying, man, there's challenges. There's all kind of issues, but there's unknown. But I know one thing, God holds the future. I know one thing that God holds my hand every step of the way. So as I can, I can keep running this race, because look at the end here. Paul throws out, he says, look, here's what's, here's what's to come. Jesus is coming back one day, and he's going to transform these bodies, these broken down, frail bodies. Uh, right now, your body, you may not think of your body lowly, right? As you get older, your body gets lower and lower, doesn't it? <laughs> All right? Your body gets lowly as the, as the older that we get. And he says, look, your lowly bodies, he will transform them so they will be like his glorious body. 
what is God's glory? What was Jesus' glorious body like? After he rose from the dead, he still got to eat. He walked through walls. Some, some pretty incredible things. And he says that he will transform us. So that is the end. That, that, that's where we're coming. Yes, between now and then, you will likely die unless Christ comes back first. Uh, but he says that you, know, you will likely die. These bodies, and one day God raises those bodies up and transforms them. Wow, pretty powerful thing that God would transform our lowly body so that we'll be like his glorious body. There's something, the principle here. Now check this out. Here's the principle of transformation. Things will change. You're dealing with some really hard times out there. Things will change change. You may be down with a health crisis. One day we're going to look towards that transformation of that glorious body. Our lowly body will be transformed to be, be like him. Things will change. There was a man in 1525, in the early 1500s, and he had, a, he had drawn a, a map up, a maritime map of the United States what we now know the United States of America. And um, as he had this maritime map, he made some markings on there in 1525. And so this is my poor representation of the American coastline, all right? But uh, he, he came on, on that map and he had, he had put on some, some little notes. And in, the, in one place in particular, he put, uh, there be giants. And he wrote that there were giants. There be giants. So he says, all right, there be giants over in this area. And then in another area, he says, there be dragons. There be dragons. So he's got this map. And then in another one, he says, there be fiery scorpions. And what he did, whoever it was that made that map, had originally given all the hardship. And he wrote down all the things, all the, all the fear. And as they would navigate in, the, in those early days of travel and coming from London, th this, was, uh, this, this map was actually on display, on display in a British museum in London. But 300 years later, a man by the name of Sir John Franklin, he comes around and he gets a hold of that maritime map. And he sees these interesting things. There be giants. There be dragons. There be scorpions, and he looks at all the fear. And that man came along with a pen, and he took out each one of those there be giants. He crossed off there be dragons. He crossed off there be scorpions. In each place, you know what he replaced it with? This phrase right here. Here is God. What are the dragons, the scorpions, the giants in your life? Can we take the pen this morning and with facing the realities of the future of God, can we come and say, there's giants there, yeah, but God's there. God's bigger than those giants. God's bigger than those dragons. And God's bigger than those scorpions. He's bigger than any fear. He's bigger than anything unknown. 
And, and I'm right there with you, folks. There's so many things about the future that I don't know that, quite frankly, scare me. Fear for our country, fear for our family, fear for life as we know it, right? But I don't have to live in fear because God is already there. And I want to encourage you, go home today and write that map out. What are those places of fear? What are those places of concern? And realize that God is there. Let's stay in the race. Stay running. Make a commitment. See, when you're running the race, you don't even have to run fast. Just stay in the race. Keep on running. Keep going forward. Surround yourself with people who, who are going to love on you. People that are going to follow Christ as you're going to follow Christ. Who will encourage you. Stay committed to the, to the goal. You have a heavenward calling. What a powerful thing that you get to be on this journey called by God to do something of eternal greatness. Your life matters for eternity. Everything you do, God has you here and has a plan for your life. That's bound for it. As we close this morning, I'd like to encourage you. Maybe you've been on the journey and, and it's gotten challenging. There's been pain. There's been things of the past or maybe even things in the present that are, that are super challenging. My encouragement to you today is to take that map and cross off. There be the giants. There be the problems. And realize that God is bigger than those problems and circle those words. Here is God. May I encourage you this morning to walk out of here with a renewed commitment. Who are the people you're going to surround yourself with that will encourage you to be a follower of Christ? Who are those people that, that will help you as you're following Christ, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna, gonna be there. There's somebody you can look onto. Who's the guy in your life that's the non-complainer? You say, wow, that guy just worked hard, and I admire his work. Surround yourself with those people and keep the goal in Christ. Do everything possible to stay in the race. Father God, I pray for your, for your blessing upon us today, Lord. Thank you for your words. Thank you for the power that, uh, that you allowed the Apostle Paul to pen these words. God, I pray that you'll do incredible and mighty things here today. Move mightily in our church, Father, as we walk out of here responding to your word, as we walk out of here responding to Jesus with a commitment unto, unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. God, I thank you that, that we can trust the future to you. There is an unknown future, but we have a known God. And everyone in the universe knows your power. You're mighty. You're awesome. And God, thank you for allowing us to have a personal relationship with you. I pray for each person in this room, Lord. May they make it personal. May they begin a walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe encourage them to keep running in the path one day at a time as we keep our eyes focused on what you've called us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. If you'd like to come and kneel and pray, feel free to do so.